Howdy to our listener and welcome back. Good news, it's before you guys run away. It's not me just by myself, yay. I actually roped somebody in, into this, so don't tell them we're here and they'll come back, hopefully. So this is Nija Gandera and she was here, uh, oh my God, a couple months ago and uh, she's back. And so we would like to yay. welcome her, yay. And we kind of, I know this is hard to believe, uh, that was one of the first recordings and we totally jacked it up and we actually didn't bother to introduce her. <laughs> so, so she's like, I'm not important. Voice. I'm not important. <laughs> and we're like, you should listen to her because we like her. So we're actually going to let her introduce herself this time. So Nita, um, and actually this is cool because actually uh, Nita and I don't really quote unquote know each other. We're Facebook friends, again, air quotes. Um, but I don't know anything about your history other than you live in a cold ass area of the country. So <laughs> currently, who knows next year? Yeah, I'm sure every winter you're like, Nebraska, let's not. So anyway, yeah. um, kind of give us a little bit about just kind of who you are and how you got there and, you know. Okay. I uh, have been training dogs for close to 30 years. I've done it professionally. I am not doing it professionally at this time simply because we have moved three times in the past four years and I just don't feel like setting up another business right now. Um, I compete with my dogs in multiple things, obedience, rally, barn hunt. I haven't done barn hunt in a while. Scent work, uh, carding, herding, um, used to do agility. So I have done myriad events, myriad levels of training, um, but obedience is my first love. And I live with four Australian shepherds and they range from perfect old dog to the no, no bad dog. <laughs> that, that's her name. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> bad dog. <laughs> that, that is her nickname because she, she is the one who will push every button I have because she just really does not care. She's not a biddable dog. So she she has the nickname No No Bad Dog. I you know, I see that because you're an Aussie person. So yes. and I'm I'm not. I mean I own I've owned three and I have my third one now. Um they are not they seem to some of them, at least some some of the ones I've met, kind of and it makes sense. They're bred to herd cattle. They kind of thrive on conflict. They kind of want to kind of tussle a little bit and get up in your face and kind of be like, yeah, you want to tell me? Let me tell you. That's unlike border collies who are like, oh, oh, did you say something? See, some are like that. Most of mine have been very biddable. What do you want? We want to be right. Let's do it. She had a little different history as a puppy from a mother who went into post-whelp liver failure. So... She was pulled from the litter early and we think the whole litter has some issues. So we think there's some neurological stuff going on. She's like an autistic child. Oh, that's too uh, bad. Poor yeah, little well, girl. Yeah, but well, she's happy. She landed, the right, yeah, she landed in the right house. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'll deal with her. I love yeah. her as much as I hate her some days. Um, but <laughs> she's, she's one of those who makes you a better trainer because how do you get through to this dog who really doesn't care? Yeah, that's, that's, and, and, that's and we've done and, it because I take her into the obedience ring and she's gotten up to a 198.5. So, oh, damn. We're, you know, we're, <laughs> we, we, we can get it. Um, 
it's just really convincing her this is worth her time. Yeah. And, and that's what you have to do when you want them on your side. I mean, yeah. you know, as, as we move away from the old kind of styles of training where it's, you will do what I say or else, then you kind of have to get them on board. And, and that's, I think that's a tougher road to hoe for some of these dogs. And that's yes, the reason I kind of joke. I kind of joke that every single positive reinforcement style trainer owns a freaking border collie. It's like you're cheating people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course I own them because I want to herd sheep, but. Um, <laughs> and you want to herd sheep well, so you have yeah, border yeah. collies. <laughs> well, I want to make my life easy. That's if you start off herding sheep, don't start with a, you know, something that herded sheep a thousand years ago and yeah. it's probably best to start with something that actually still has all the puzzle pieces not just so, most of them so i knew somebody who started herding with doberman pinchers oh my god oh, yeah it's just and ouch. then she and then she got aussies so she okay, realized so, she liked yeah. the herding but she she learned a lot from the doberman yeah <laughs> like and i'm sure when she got the aussies she's like oh my god what this it's is so, so much easy. easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go out with a border collie and it's like, let me show you how a flank works. And I was like, oh, angels singing. And, and it's like, <laughs> you know, why start with a corgi or something like that? So, um, oh, and so we're going to talk today about um, kind of leash, like wearing a leash in the house. What's it called? Tethering or umbilical? Tethering, or... umbilical cording. It's just, it's a magical leash. It's a magical leash. And I, and I'm honestly going to say I'm too lazy to do it most of the time. <laughs> I mean, I do a, um, kind of a modified version. We'll kind of get into that a little bit later, okay. but first we're going to geek out a little bit on something that I'm just going to spring on you because you're doing carding and that's freaking yes. cool. Yes. So I love how, it. what the hell, how did you, how did you just, just, just said, oh, I have a thousand dollars to spend. And I, look, there's a cart. Is that <laughs> no. Okay. So years ago, I mean, years and years ago, my very first Aussie, I don't know where I saw it. I saw a, a wagon for dogs and I got it. And he pulled my two little girls to preschool every day. And oh that's, my God, that's so cool. Oh, it was so much fun. Um, and then somewhere along the way, I realized there were carding competition. So I got the little competition basket and started teaching dogs to do that. And we have gone up to tandem carts with two dogs pulling and I've done costumes with the carts oh and I've God. just got the, uh, a cello sulky, which is where you ride in it and the dog pulls you. So that's the next level of fun we're having. So can, so can an Aussie, do you need more than one dog to pull a, a normal human being or? I would say it depends. So like my little bitty girl, I would not ask mm -hmm. her to do it. Number one, she's too short. So the Chelo Silky has a dorsal hitch, which goes over the top of the back. She's too short for that. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So it's sense. my tall boy who has to do that. But the, the smaller girls, I'm going to put on tug lines on either side of him. Oh, so, so they can all, help him out. All three dogs will be pulling, but he can pull me just fine. And I am not a lightweight. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> We won't go anywhere near that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I will, um, so ever since I was a kid, I owned horses. I started off with horses and I wanted, you know, you, if you're a horse person at some point, if you're not walking around with your eyes closed, you get to see some really amazing work done with, with horses, like four in hand and two in hand right. and, and sulkies. And, 
And so, of course, I always wanted one. Just you know, as your kid, you just want everything. And we, <laughs> the closest we got was we <laughs> attached a tire to a rope to a saddle horn because we'd seen it on a magazine. The problem is, is that we'd seen it on a magazine um, in snow oh. where the tire actually freaking travels. We don't live someplace with snow. And so we did it <laughs> in the arena where as the horse was pulling, the the front end of the tire would accumulate more and more weight until the horse would just quit. Oh, and of course, dear. a Western saddle is not exactly an optimal piece of equipment for this. No. But the, the, so I this did feels start... like one of those Pinterest fails. Yes. Yes. <laughs> thankfully, I wasn't old enough. That didn't exist, but this was definitely a watched it in a magazine. It didn't work out in the real world quite like we anticipated. And uh, I, but I always wanted one. You know, when I worked, lived in Colorado, yes. I wanted a sleigh. I thought, oh, this would be so cool in the winter when it was snowing and it was pristine to have this beautiful sleigh. And, have bells on it and go down the road. And so I saw somebody who had a sulky behind their sheep. <laughs> oh, like, you're joking. Ding, ding, me, me, me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sorry. The picture is just. <laughs> so I'm thinking, which of my sheep am I going to train <laughs> or drive up sulky? So, yeah. Or my livestock guardian dog. Oh, um, yeah. That would work well. Yeah. Well, you think that, but it's not exactly like she just, she, she liquefies. So you, you attach her and she would probably just flop upside down and that'd be the end of that. But uh, she's not exactly a, a biddable dog. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they're like, not bred to be, they're not bred to be biddable. You're not supposed to train them. No. And, and she believes that into the core <laughs> of her being. <laughs> Good oh, okay. So now that we've got through with that little diversion, I just think it's fascinating. I love these, I love these cool sports that people are doing with dogs. And I love, I love watching your, your Facebook page and watching all your adventures with your sulky. I think that's so slick. Oh, so I, I, I just can't wait till we can hook up all, all three dogs and just go. So I take it they've learned like G and ha or whatever the turn signals are uh, uh, that they are still in the process of learning that okay so but we do they... have reins attached to a collar so if they can give in to collar pressure okay. it, it can kind of work okay um, it's just once he really gets going he's like he's collar. <laughs> we're, we're hauling yeah you better hope the road goes where you're going because that's where you're going well, this is why we're doing it in very limited places. I don't want yeah. a bunch of people. I don't want cars. So, like, I'm not doing it down my street because I have a feeling we would be paying for car damages. Yeah, that'd be bad. That'd be No, and that's the thing. It's, it's kind of easy in the desert because the dog doesn't have a lot of choices. It's like, yeah. okay, you're on the trail or you're eating cactus. And they decide not to eat cactus. That's generally yeah. the way yeah. it goes. So. Okay, so about tethering or umbilical. So I guess the first thing we'll do is we need to define what the hell we're talking about. We're not talking about wearing a leash, the dog wearing a leash outside, which is mandatory in pretty much every place on the planet. We yeah. are talking about when generally a newer dog, a young dog, um, a, a newly adopted dog comes into your house. And as we've discussed previously on this podcast, everything in training, if you're going to use, if you're going to spend time in the positive reinforcement quadrant, has to start with prevention. Yes. Don't let the dog get into the trash so that now you're spending your life trying to keep the dog out of the trash. <laughs> just 
make your life easy. And so this is a powerful shortcut to a lot of kind of everyday problems that people face that you just want to say, dude, put your dog on a leash. So, and, and so Nita brought this up. This is her, uh, this is her topic. So we're going to let you start with what, like what equipment you're starting with and, um, kind of how you do it, you know, whether it's a puppy or a newly adopted dog or a dog in training or whatever. Okay. I'm actually using it on a almost two year old dog that I've had since he was a puppy, but he is an intact adolescent male who's kind of full of himself. And I've let him get away with a few things that I've now decided I really don't like in my house. So we are just <laughs> going to dial things back, teach him some new house rules. So he, um, he does wear a leash in the house. He is either attached to my belt or to like a couch leg or a doorknob or something if I can't have him where I am going. So like if I shower, he's just, he's attached to the doorknob in the bathroom. You're, you're not inflicting your shower. You're like, oh, <laughs> no. no, I'm good. No. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it, and so people think, well, why? So one of the things he did, and he started this when he was really young, when he leaves the living room, he doesn't just walk out of the living room. He leaps over the back of the couch. <laughs> and he's landing on a hardwood floor, which is slippery. And I'm like, you are going to hurt yourself. Um, so yeah. that that's one of the behaviors I am working to stop with him because he thinks it's great fun. Um, leaping through the house is, brings him great joy. But not me so much. No, so, and not the it, possible cruciate surgery in the future. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, and again, as a teenage boy, he's just, he's decided it's fun to pound up and down the stairs and it's fun to, to race around. And I'm like, okay, let's go back to some calm in the house. You can go run and be crazy when you're pulling the sulky. That's awesome. But in the house, we're going to do two weeks. And I, I tend to find two weeks is that good time frame. Two weeks of tethering where you're going to go everywhere with me. You're going to, mm -hmm. you know. But what this also does, you think this dog's attached to you. Every time you move, they have to move. Every time you stop, they have to stop. So they really start keying in on what you're doing and responding to your body movements too. So there's... A whole new level of awareness that we have going on in this two weeks. Right. Well, and that can be the precursor to loose leash walking. Oh, in, yes. In the future is, is oh, understanding yes. that because all loose, loose leash walking is, is adhering to being in your space yes. out in the real world. It's the same identical thing. So do you use a six foot leash and then just attach it like a carabiner to your belt, belt buckle um, or for your belt? I am, I'm actually using a convertible leash. So it has like three oh, different okay. rings that you can make different lengths depending on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll let it be longer. Like if I'm sitting at my desk, I'll let it be eight feet long and he can just wander in that space and lay on the dog bed, do whatever he wants, grab a toy. If we're walking through the house, it's more the six foot. Um, on the stairs, I do it shorter because he is also oh, learning right. you can't charge up and down the stairs. So if he tries to go charging down the stairs when I'm going down the stairs, 
it's short and I just back up the stairs and he's like, oh crap, I'm supposed to stay with you. <laughs> well, and part of it is it, with a two-year-old dog who's been doing it all the time is probably just muscle memory. His muscles have probably never walked up the stairs. No, exactly. He probably, he probably haven't educated. It's, it's, it's never occurred to him that you can work the body this way to walk up the stairs. Yeah. Um, I have, I have wooden stairs in my house and they go and they make an L and it's always fun when you get, I had a dog in training here a couple of weeks ago, a super happy Aussie and he was just here for herding training. So he had no issues, remedial issues that we were dealing with in the house. So he was at large in my house, but I, so I do the lazy person's, a tether. I don't, so I'll leave a dog that I don't trust and who I need to be able to grab quickly. I leave them on a leash, but I let the leash drag. And oh, then yeah. I, I call the dog from room to room, or I do have a very heavy, whatever that table in front of the couch is called a coffee uh, table. Yes. The thing weighs like a thousand pounds. And so <laughs> I can, and it has these perfect little legs at the bottom that hook up. And so you can just hook the the leash end right to the end to the end of the table and then they're they're attached so i will do that a lot and then i can come and go and the dog can stay in one place so anyway right. this i had this dog with me and, and i was going down he was crated upstairs and that's where my bedroom is he was crated upstairs and we're going down the stairs and apparently the speed that he feels that stairs should be taken is about mach 10. <laughs> <laughs> and the problem is his feet we're traveling at one speed and gravity got a hold of them and he could never make that corner. He could, Oh he, no! he would slam into the wall. It's like those every cartoons every single time. And I'm like, just slow down you dweeb. And he's like, but I'm so excited. And I'm like, yeah. And you know, he was only here for a couple of weeks and uh, it didn't matter. His owner doesn't have stairs. And so it didn't matter, but it was, it was like, you, this is something you can actually correct little boy. You could slow it. He's like, Nope, uh, uh, no, you're going to, I'm just gonna keep going really yeah. hard yeah. and just slam into the, I'm like, okay, it, the bruises are yours, my friend. So, um, one of the things I think is powerful. Um, I, I like getting in fights on Facebook. It's kind of a <laughs> horrible hobby of mine. <laughs> and I haven't gotten any really good ones recently. I'm kind of depressed, but anyway. Oh, this could uh, be it. This could cause one. <laughs> we, there, a person, a person posted one of the Facebook groups for dog trainers and asked how to keep her dog from eating the drywall. Oh, whoa. And I'm like, well, create, you know, everybody's like, create the dog when you're gone. Well, you know, you know how that it goes. There's 700 yeah. answers and it's all create the dog when you're gone, create the dog when you're gone, or maybe put the dog outside or lock it in the bathroom. You know, there's all these different things. Well, it turns out she's not gone. She's in the house. It's happening when she's in the house. And wow. I'm like, stay awake. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> pay attention. What the fuck are you doing? I'm like, um, my, my two-year-old keeps taking a paperclip and shoving it into electrical outlet. Fucking don't let your kid <laughs> run around the house shoving their fit, shit in. Fit, just don't. What, I mean, how yeah. hard is this? I'm like, if you see it happen, interrupt the dog. And if you can't, for some reason, I don't know, stay conscious, <laughs> do you have narcolepsy? Um, fucking put the dog in a crate, put it on a tether. I, I'm just, I'm, but I see a lot more of these kind of questions. How do my dog destroy shit while I'm home? And I'm like, 
We have why lost your, all common sense as a Why species. is your dog at large in your house? You know, why is the pit bull, the year old pit bull that you just adopted yesterday, loose in your oh, house yeah. without you paying attention to it? Do you not yes. care about any of your stuff? And it's and, not that he's a bad dog. He's a dog. And if he's a year old pit bull, he's essentially an adolescent with a giant head. And he wants to wrap <laughs> his teefers around everything he sees and gnaw on it. That's what he's yeah. bred to do. And so you come around the corner and he's decided to have go to war with your carpeting and he's pulled up eight feet of it. <laughs> and... <laughs> Every like, huh? every new dog that comes into a house should have some form of tethering or control until the dog has settled in and starts learning the rules of that house. Absolutely. Absolutely. And my rules are I have so I actually have stuff in my house I like and I have it <laughs> at dog level. And so my rule of thumb is if it's a puppy, it's not loose in my house without being in my personal space for mm -hmm. about a year. I mean, I'm oh, yeah. really, I'm really bad. I, cause, cause it just, all it takes is your seven month old teething. Well, I guess they're not teething at seven months. So they're, but your seven month old kind of vaguely bored puppy, not, you're not paying attention and suddenly your shoe, which is essentially rawhide, falls into their mouth. And the next <laughs> thing you know is you're out a pair of $150 Timberlands and you're pissed. Well, he's a puppy and that probably never came up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, don't eat my left Timberland. It just, it never came up. And so because of that, your dog's not bad, it just never came up that you're not allowed to eat shoes or yeah. this set of shoes because they don't generalize incredibly well. Well, if I can't eat the <laughs> tennis shoes, could I perhaps eat the ones that smell like leather or the ones that smell like that are covered in chicken shit or the ones that smell like sheep? Yeah. Um, and so I, I, as a rule, kind of, like I said, I keep, I keep my dogs in my, in the room with me and I have a male dog who came to me at two and he's one of those intermittent markers where Ooh. about once every six to eight months, he'll lift his leg in my house. Yeah. And it used to be a situation where I'd see it, you know, and you're kind of like, what the hell, where did this come from? Cause by then yeah. it's cold. What do, you, what do you think you're doing? Yeah. And so now it's just, he's, he's seven years old and it's like, you're not leaving my side, you little bastard. I'm not, yeah, I'm not dealing with this. I refuse. I'm not going to have you wear the, I'm not having you wear a pee pad. That's going to cost me a thousand dollars a year for, for you to not pee once. But I'm also not accepting even urine once a year. It's not acceptable in my house. It's zero tolerance, not mostly zero tolerance. Right. And so he's just never allowed to be now. He's not on a tether. Uh, he doesn't have a leash, but if I get up and walk, if I get up and go take a shower, he's in the bathroom with me. Yeah. And now oh, he yeah. even knows, Oh, you're going to the shower. I'll be in the bathroom. And he, that's where he goes because otherwise I'll come out and, you know, maybe it's that magical moment that he feels, you know, once a year, I must mark this and I won't discover it for, you know, an hour or two. Cause I, who knows where, you know, it's going to be a different, he never does the same location twice. Right. Either. Why would he do that? And so <laughs> rather than putting it all on him, always oh, a bad dog, oh, this or that, or the other thing, it's just easier to just say, look, I've just, he, for whatever reason, something pops into his head. I can't, unless I watch him 24 seven, I can't, and he won't lift it leg in front of me. Right. So I just watch him all the time. I'm not trying yeah. to catch him out. I just don't want him to do it.
Yes. So also behaviorally, this can have a strong effect on dogs, those who need it. There was a dog I worked with years ago, many years ago. He came from a hoarding situation. After they got him out of the hoarding situation, he was stuck in outdoor kennels for two years until somebody finally decided to adopt him. Oh my God, this poor dog. Yeah, he he was a basket case. There was yeah. nothing normal in his life. He could not mm. function. He could not. His head was like constantly spinning and he had no way to calm down. Oh. I actually brought this dog home with me from the, I, I worked with the, the family for a few weeks. And I said, let me take him. For two weeks, I kept that dog tethered. By the end of the two weeks, this dog could finally settle down. He could be calm. His brain had stopped spinning because suddenly his world became smaller and he could function in this small space. And we gradually increased the size of his world, increased new things, and also being tethered as we introduced him to stuff like vacuums and cars and things. He could he could base his reaction off of me because I'm sitting there going, you're attached to me and you know, he can't run because that yeah. was his thing. He would run. He was a runner. Oh, so yeah. he being attached to me, he couldn't run and he'd have to look to me. How are you reacting? Oh, well, you think it's no big deal. Cool. So yeah. sometimes tethering can have these massive behavioral changes um, in the dog. So sometimes we're preventing stuff. Sometimes we're changing the mindset. Well, and that's important because as we talked about earlier with, with your dog is one of the, one of the issues I see often with dogs who come in to me for training is there appears to be no actual connection between the owner and the dog. Yeah. And I'm still noodling through that, trying to figure out where the, the origin (laughs) of that is. And, but you know, when you, I think when you assign somebody the idea that what you're going to do is you're not going to let this dog leave your side and you're going to put bowls of food everywhere high up so the dog can't get to them. And every time the dog says something right, you're going to pay the dog. Right. Suddenly it's amazing how this relationship that may have been broken for four years turns around. Yes. Because now you've become, we want to be at least when I'm working with my dog, my dogs have great lives outside. Like right now, Ruby and Tag and Billy are off cavorting someplace. Hopefully not murdering <laughs> any of my chickens. And um, they're doing dog things. They're dogging. And my two red border collies are, are napping in the house. And, and, you know, they're all dogs. They're dogging. And that's fine. But if I get up and I want to work, I need to be the center of your world. Yes. And I don't want to negotiate for that. I don't want to beg for that. I'm not going to say your name 600 times. I'm not going to say watch me a thousand times. I just want, if I stand up and I grab a, which if I was organized, if I grabbed a treat pouch, which I don't ever do, if I grabbed a handful (laughs) of treats, which is much more likely, or a handful of kibble, which is really what happens in my house, I want, I'm the, I'm now the center of your universe. And yes. That's what I need. Or if I go outside and we go for a walk and there is no handful of kibble because then I'd never have my dogs leave me. Um, If I call you, 
you, I should be important enough that you will interrupt digging for the varmint or chasing the lizard or what have you to interrupt yourself and come over and find out why on earth this person is calling you. And if I'm on sheep, if we're out with the sheep, I need to be more important. I need the sheep to be important. They have to be important. Yes. But if I'm not in the picture, that's called chasing. Exactly. (laughs) If you're with the sheep, it's because we have a job to do. And I'm the one who tells you what that job is. And I'm the thing that takes you to that job. And so I think when we start with something as fundamental as, as tethering our dogs to us, and if we add in the ability to provide praise for the correct behavior, whether that praise be good dog fluffing, fluff, 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 or whether the praise be uh, a treat, which is uh, my preference, depending on the dog, um, or even playing tug. I want that starts to build in the dog the understanding that you, the human being, are relevant to their lives. And for most dogs and for most pet owners, that's what we want. I mean, yeah, if you live on a ranch and you have 14 dogs sitting in your porch, it doesn't matter. You don't need to be the center of those <laughs> dogs' lives. The other dogs can be the center of the dogs' lives. You don't care. You're not asking any performance from your dog other than converting poop into shit. That, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that as a way, as a lifestyle for a dog. But that's not the way 99% of the dogs that I'm certainly interacting with are living. Those dogs live in houses with people and those people have a certain expectations that if the dog is walking down the leash, they don't rip them off their arm, them off their feet because they see a cat or they're not barking hysterically at every chihuahua they see, or they're not eating the neighbor's neighbors period yeah um Uh, and and they're not getting into the trash they're not counter surfing after every meal they're not you know all these things that the dogs think are perfectly normal and desirable absolutely and they are to a dog yes yes you know a a counter is no different than a buffet on a cruise ship and (laughs) yeah you you want you watch humans line up at a buffet at a cruise ship and and that's what a dog sees when they see the the counter with everything on it they they have no understanding that that is somehow verboten and so but having a leash on the dog and this is fascinating to me is there's a magical thing you can do with a leash you can step on it to make (laughs) it shorter and so when you have a dog that greets every stranger like a happy dog that greets every stranger by mowing them down Uh, standing on the leash is an incredibly powerful and easy tool and it's way easier than screaming down fluffy down fluffy oh yeah down is lie down people down is not off and (laughs) if you have to say it more than once the dog doesn't understand and doesn't care so why make why make greeting a, a stranger into this fraught hysterical deranged freakish behavior situation for the dog and the stranger and yourself. And now everybody's amplified and psychotic. Just step on your dog's leash and, and your dog can stand, your dog can walk in circles, your dog can lean, your dog can waggle, your dog can greet the stranger. What your dog cannot do is knock over your grandma or smash a little kid to the ground. Your dog, and you're not yelling and you're not screaming. And what you're doing is you're you're creating that behavioral picture that we want to see. And you're not creating a picture that you don't want to see. There's something amazing about this, but if you never allow a puppy to jump on you, your puppy will never learn to jump up. Yes. Tag does not jump up. 
she comes up, she comes running up to me and she flops upside down because she gets tickled. That's her greeting. And if you start petting her, she will slide down your leg Aww. until she's upside down. And people don't want to reach, but I'm like, well, she's not jumping on you. So pet her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. pay her for this behavior. Yes. So we have to create the picture that we want. And having a leash on your dog not only keeps it from eating the drywall, keeps it from getting in the trash, keeps it from counter surfing, because again, you can step on that leash. You don't have to yell, get your feet off the counter, get off, get off, get off, get off. You can simply right. step on the leash. If you're in the kitchen washing your hands or preparing a meal and your dog is tethered to you, you can step on the leash. So another thing I just thought of, you're, you're talking about the picture. So one thing I am noticing big time with my young guy, when, when we go out the front door, it's usually we're going to get in the car, we're going to go for a walk, we're going to go karting. It's always something exciting. Yeah. Except when he's tethered to me, we go out that front door because I need to take a load of papers to the car or the boxes that need to go to the post office, or um, I'm walking to the mailbox, or I'm going out to rake the leaves. Everything is very boring. So he um, is now getting more pictures of we go outside, we stay calm instead of we go outside and we're so jacked up because it's going to be so yeah and he yes. is he is getting a much more balanced picture of what i need when we go out that front door absolutely yes that's that's exactly a great a great example because we again you don't want to create we we as humans tend to allow pictures to form that we don't want and then yes. we become fraught emotionally they become this yes. fraught thing um here's another perfect example that many people struggle with and in fact we did a podcast about this recently well not recently way at the beginning um where we talked about the different ways we would solve the problem of your dog rushing to the door and barking like a jackass every time the doorbell <laughs> rings well guess what if your dog is attached to you and the doorbell rings they've never practiced that behavior that yes. never ever happens. Yes. So you you are giving a picture and you're able to control the picture. Yes. Ugh. So if you're if you have a dog who's so when we talked about this before, we talked about two different styles of dog who get fraught with the front door. The first would be a fearful dog who believes there's monsters on your side and you keep letting them in because you're an idiot. Or <laughs> The happy dog who's like, oh, my new best friend's at the door. I love every single person. And they're excited because the stranger. And so if you know which dog your dog is, and you can kind of tell, yeah. if you have your dog tethered and somebody walks, knocks on the door, you can take your fearful dog, grab a handful of kibble, go to their crate, throw them in the crate, unattach them, close a door, close another door. So there's two doors between you and the front door and now the picture is always people come to the door. I go to my crate. Yes. If you have the psycho happy dog, then you can either do that, which is there's nothing wrong with that and wait until the, everybody settles down and then let your dog out on a leash. Or you can walk to the front door, step on the dog's leash so he can't run in circles and be a psychopath, <laughs> let everything settle. And then that's the picture you're creating. But when yeah. you let your dogs run helter-skelter for the door in this fraught emotional state, 
and you let that persist, now you're creating this whole thing about a door knock. And honestly, I was trying to take video of, of dogs acting badly with a door knock and I could not replicate it in my house because my dogs have no clue what a door knock is. And so they're kind of just staring at me like, what, why are you hammering on the door? <laughs> so I had to call, I had to call my sister for the video of dogs acting like assholes at the door. Cause she has two that act like blithering idiots at the door. Uh, because my dogs are just a, where I live, it's kind of part of that is I, no one knocks my door and people, right. um, you hear the car coming into the yard, but it's, there's no, there's no, it's not fraught. There's nothing right. that's over arousing. They're not in a confined space. Dogs who are frightened can run away from the vehicle that just pulled into the yard. Dogs that are enthusiastic can kind of hover around the yard. And then I can go grab the livestock guardian dog before she climbs in the window. So, <laughs> cause that's what she does. She's like, hi, hi, can I say hi? I'm really tall. I'm gonna put my feet on your oh, windowsill. Wow. Is that okay? And I'm like, oh, it's so not okay. Uh, it's very bad for paint, but, um, but again, it's such a simple device. And I just, I, I don't think that people understand the power of it and it's not forever. It's not for life. It's exactly, um, it's for a week or two, depending on the issue. Now, again, with dice. Yeah. I, cause I don't want a dog peeing in my house. He, he never leaves the room I'm in, but He's not on a leash because he's, he's not on a leash. You he's a trained dog. So I just, that. yeah, I just call him to me. If I leave, you know, if I go upstairs, Hey, we're going upstairs. Okay. So they all trudge upstairs and then they reassemble themselves there. And, and that's good because, uh, Cody recently discovered that if I'm not in the room, there's food sometimes. Oh. <laughs> and she's like, look what I found mom. I'm like, yeah, that's not good. So and she's five. So that's the other thing. Be aware that your dogs are opportunists. And that doesn't mean they're evil. They're not plotting yes. the overthrow of the world. This isn't about alpha theory or any bullshit like this. This no. is dogs finding opportunity where it lays. If you're walking down the sidewalk and you see a $100 bill, you're going to pick it up. <laughs> if your dog is walking through the house and you've gone outside and you've left half, a, half an eaten plate of steak on the counter or on a head height for your dog, they'd be kind of dumb to, to not take it. Exactly. It's not yours. It's not in your possession anymore. You walked away. Possession ends when you walk away. And so- I, I'm sorry, that, that reminds me of a time, again, this was years ago. This was my first two Aussies who were actually very perfect dogs and I'm surprised they ever did this. My husband took the steaks on a plate out to the grill in the backyard, left them on the side of the grill, you know, the little- Oh yeah, the little perch. The plate, yeah. yeah, the perch, and came back in the house, and the oh, dogs shit. ate the steaks. They're like, "How kind of you!" Yeah, you just delivered to us. This was not something they would have ever done in the house. You could leave food on the the coffee table, and they'd leave it. But mm -hmm. outside was their space. It's a different picture. It's a it completely was. different was. picture. Yeah, no, it's it, the picture matters. The pictures that we build for our dogs really matter. And that's, and, and it, again, it's hard because we're human beings and we tend to be lazy and there's nothing wrong with being lazy, but it, it, it is a problem if you are allowing a picture to develop is that is you, that you do not want to see. Yeah. And that's exactly why I'm doing this with my young dog. He's not a bad dog. He's a very good dog, but he's got this little bit of 
over energetic behavior in the house that it's time to change that picture. Yeah, exactly. So he's not bad. He's not horrible. He's not destroying my house. He's just leaping over the back of the couch and pounding <laughs> up and down the stairs. <laughs> so. Well, so another example. So I, I got my Aussie, my used, my used psychotic Aussie, um, Ruby. And one of the issues that she came with is she has no capacity to settle in the house. Mm -hmm. um, the second you sit down, she's bringing, and I have a bunch of toys. I probably got 20 toys underneath a bookcase up in the living room. And the border collies will slowly over the week, pull one of them out at a time, walk to a corner, squeak it, roll around, have a small battle with it, perhaps destroy it. And that's fine. Because that's why they're here. They're toys. They're for the dogs. Right. And... But she would go and grab one and then shove it at you and shove it at you and shove it at you. And then when she clearly didn't see that one, she'd go get a different one that maybe squeaked differently and shove that one at you. And it's like, you, you need to learn to play by yourself. You, I don't need to be your entertainer. Right. And so in her case, I actually tethered her away from me. Yes. With her toys so that she could learn that she's welcome to play with toys in the house. I have, I want my dogs to play with toys in the house. What I don't want is my dogs to expect me to play with toys in the house. <laughs> I play with toys outside because right. if I sit down to do something, I don't want a dog shoving a toy at me repeatedly. I, I just don't want to live like that. I, everybody does right. their own thing. And I, it's, it's not about how everybody chooses to live. I personally don't want dogs shoving toys at me. I don't play fetch in the house except for with little bitty puppies because they're little bitty puppies and they're cute. Um, but after they become adults, then we go outside. So in her case, I tethered her to my, my table in my living room. And then I sat at another table, or I sat in their chair that's about 15 feet away so that she had to learn to function on her own. She could play with the toys and she would actually settle. Granted, it took about three hours for her to settle. Wow. And there was a lot of screaming and yelling in between and squeaking and, and things. But she eventually did settle. And now she can come into the house as long as she is still having to be tethered far away. But that is not because tethering doesn't work. It's because I'm so intermittent by it, about it. I, right. It's easier for me with this dog to just let her live outside where there's plenty for her to do. And then I go outside with her and play ball outside um, because I do have the availability of allowing a dog to live outside at my house. Right. And I know everybody's writing nasty letters. You might as well not even have a dog. <laughs> but outside's where the adventures are. Outside's where the fun is. And so, yeah, that's where she's at. She's right now, she's playing with Tag. They're wrestling on the deck. Actually, I can't believe somebody, I mean, it's pretty loud. Um, and they're flinging themselves quite wildly around and, hitting the sliding glass door and, you know, possibly breaking things. But uh, that's a great life for her because otherwise we're kind of constantly in some sort of state of conflict in the house unless she's tied up. And right. because she came with a joyous habit of instantly eating a leash in half, she oh. has to be tied up with one of those awful chain leashes yeah. because otherwise she's through it in about a nanosecond. Yeah. So... Um, and that does lead to the idea, at least for me, I train all of my dogs to be able to be tied outside. 
Yes. I, I, I train them to essentially be hitched to a rail like a horse. Right. Um, I want to be able to tether my dog to a fixed object and walk away, whether that fixed object is fencing down so we can herd. And um, I'm not herding with all my dogs. I only herd with one dog at a time. And then I don't have to keep making trips back up to the house. I don't have to keep crates down by the sheep. I can just tie them to the sheep pens, work one dog at a time, and we're golden. Or um, when I'm using Tag as a demo dog at, the, at my business location in Tucson, I can just tether her. We have a bunch of... Uh, eye rings and carabiners attached to the walls and I can just attach her to that. And then I don't have to bother with a endless sit stay or downstay, which because it's not been proofed that well is a recipe for failure and why I teach my dog to fail. So it's just easier to tether her. Right. And I also think it builds, I think for a lot of, a lot of these dogs that really struggle with self-control, I think it's kind of a necessary lesson sometimes mm-hmm. to learn that you don't always get what you want in life. Yes. Um, yes. Sometimes you are stuck to a wall. I mean, not for hours, uh, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes um, won't kill anybody. And uh, it also teaches leash pressure because the pressure goes away when you stop pulling. There's no, <laughs> there's no, uh, you can't win. You're not going right. to win against fencing or a tree or yes. you know, what have you. Yeah. To me, nothing is more impressive than to see the line of border colleagues who want nothing more to go work those sheep laying quietly tied to a fence. It's just because you know everything in their body is saying, I should be out there working. Yeah, they're judging the other border colleagues and finding them wanting. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But instead of jumping up and down and barking and pulling and and acting like idiots, they just lay down quietly and go, okay, when it's my time, they'll get me up. Yeah. And and that's a little bit about opportunity is understanding if we build our dog's picture of life to show that opportunity is still always going to be there. But just because you're tied to the wall now does not mean you're tied to the wall for life. Just because you're in the crate now doesn't mean you're in the crate for the remainder of your life. There's always another opportunity for fun. And I am the deliverer of that opportunity. Oh, yes. I am the gateway through which that opportunity is accessed. And that gateway could be as simple as opening the door. I mean, I have no problem with opening the door and my dogs just rampaging out the door. My dogs sprint out the door and they all run towards the sheep and they look back (laughs) over their shoulders and they're like, did you forget us? And I'm like, we're actually not going to the sheep. And they're like, oh, man. But we're at least outside. So outside is better than inside because inside is boring. It's full of all these people sitting around talking. Uh, outside is where the fun is. And so I'm the person who accesses that. I'm the person who they need to open the door. I have the opposable thumbs. So Exactly right. Um, <laughs> you're ringing. <laughs> I know. I'm like, and it's the other side of the room and I'm attached with the earbuds and I'm like, I can't go. You're trapped. It's somebody calling into our show. <laughs> no, it's a telemarketer. It's one of those stupid recorded, oh, we're calling about your car warranty. I said they're asking, they're very concerned about my car warranty. Very concerned. Yes. And I got a call the other day about my banking account at the Federal Reserve. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, I'm a lot richer than I thought I was. I'm a freaking bank. Thank goodness. <laughs> oh my God. The Federal Reserve. Oh my oh. God. 
Yeah. Uh, so, so tethering is incredibly valuable. And right now, so I have a dog in training at my house. I don't usually do uh, board and trains at my house, but uh, he's a shadow chaser and he's got some other issues. And so we're trying to figure out oh, boy. The, the right uh, balance of exercise and rest and uh, for this dog so that we can proceed with him. And he's a great little dog, but he has, he's, he's young and he's, I think kind of got in his own way for a, a little much, little bit of time. And so he shadow chases, he resource barks, he alert barks. He, yeah, he's got the whole gamut of crazy over aroused. Uh, he's a Kelpie mix of border collie, cutest little wow. thing. And so he's and, on and imagine if he had been tethered as a puppy. Yeah. And he's tethered in my house. Uh, wow. not to me because I'm, again, I'm lazy, but it's on the floor because he randomly chooses things that he's going to resource guard oh, and he wow. will bite. And so Ouch. by having the ability to just grab the leash, I can simply pull him away from the object and without getting my hands involved, without getting bitten, without causing conflict, I can simply take him by his leash and pull him away. And then he drops the object and then I'm able to trade because he won't trade. He's on to that. Um, the act of, it's really fascinating. He's a fascinating little case because he, I imagine, like I was saying, he's part Kelpie. And so I'm not super familiar with the breed and I'm not always hundred percent certain, but they said he's Kelpie. So I'm like, okay, they, but they're more of a Aussie type of a dog, you know, cattle dog more than, than border collies. And he really wants conflict. He see he you can see his little face when he grabs something and he hopes that you might want it. Cause then he can be a shit about it. And I'm like, okay, but I'm I'm not gonna play your game. You're not gonna wow. get this thing. I'm gonna get this wow. thing. Wow. And it could be useless. He he the other day in the dog spot, he peed on the floor because that's not unnormal because it's a training center and so it smells like urine, and so it's not abnormal for a dog to urinate. And so I had thrown a bunch of paper towels on the floor to to soak it up while I went and got the spray bottle. Oh, he decides he loves paper towels that he oh, he's gonna this is his his he's gonna keep it. And I'm like, okay, it's your pee covered towel, dude. Keep it. I don't go ahead. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you over a piss covered paper towel. But he was com he's like, ah, I've got it. And I'm like, good, good on you. That's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> and then it he occurred to him that he really didn't want it. But what's funny is he'll leave it. And we'd just been playing tug. There are like 15 toys on the floor. We had a flirt pole. A second I went towards the paper towel, he went to resource guard it from across the room. Wow. He's like, it's mine. And I'm like, and he just, I think he just thrives on that conflict. Yeah. He kind of, that's what he wants. That's what rings his bells. And so I'm like, okay, well, you can get conflict in tug games. You're not getting conflict there. So when he grabbed my glove a little earlier, again, he's pulled out every toy in my house. It looks like a toy sale. <laughs> <laughs> he's pulled them all into the living room. Um, and he grabbed my glove and I'm like, we can't have my glove. And he's like, no, now I, now I have to have the glove. He's like, bring it, bitch. <laughs> exactly. This little eight-month-old little Spitfire shithead. And so I'm like, okay, well, I've got the leash. So you tell me. <laughs> I'm just going to walk all over the all over the place until you drop my bloody glove. And he's like, oh, oh, 
I'll drop the glove. I'm like, ding, 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 ding. And then I wow. pick up the glove and tell him what a great guy he is. And he forget. It's funny. Once the conflict is over, he doesn't give a shit about the glove anymore. Doesn't, doesn't care. He wants wow. the, that wow. moment of conflict. He's, he's kind of a shit. I, but I have to say, I, I love dogs who are kind of shits. they're my my favorite dogs i the more he's a little shit i'm like oh you're a little shit but i love you (laughs) because he's a little ass and i love little ah, he's such a shit but but i love him but but see this is the kind of dog that once you get into his mind and figure it all out Mm -hmm. he he has the potential to be magnificent this is an awesome little dog and he he will do backflips for a tug game he will he's food motivated now he's a stud monkey and his dad is just freaking committed to the nth degree loves 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 this dog so we just we just need to get ahead of the shadow chasing because he gets way over the top on that um much worse than my border collie um like he can't like where at my location in town, it, once he sees a shadow on the wall, he can't function for the rest of the day. He's done. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and I'm not a big, I don't go first to, to drugs. That's not my, yeah. my bent. Emily and I have gone round and round about that because Emily's like drugs. And I'm like, no, wait. Um, I, I really like, especially a puppy. I really kind of like want to see how much train, how much I can get done with training, but right. drugs might end up being on this dog's uh, plate just to yes. kind of de- because he actually now that I've had him in my house, I kind of see what he does. And what he does is he actually he actually winds himself up and then starts <laughs> yeah. shadow chasing. And I think part of it is he's tired, but um, then he can't de-escalate at all. He just you have to you have no other choice but to put him away. Right. He has uh, not learned to settle himself down. No, yet. he has not learned. And and I've and he's one of those dogs who I think is going to be very resistant to, um, like the relaxation techniques, right? The the hands on things. He's just this, then that that puts him into that conflict mode, and he's like, "You're gonna you're gonna think you think you're gonna tell tell me to settle down? Oh hell's no! Rah! You know, <laughs> like yeah. okay, I get it. <laughs> so wow. anyway, that's um, but yeah, so he's on a tether in my house, but again, he's at large. Um, but every time he leaves the room, he's not, you know, he's obviously not my dog. So he, and this is a new place. So he's, he tries to wander the house. So I simply follow him around, call him back to me. Um, if I'm laying, if I'm sitting on the couch, then I tether him to the couch. Um, and he gets to have his toys, which he keeps accidentally flipping out of his range. <laughs> his tether, And I have to go rescue them. Um, because I, because again, I, it's, I'm not in a, I'm not a believer of reaching for callers because that's a great way to contri- can create conflict. And oh, especially yeah. with a dog who really kind of revels in conflict, you, the last thing you want is to create a, a moment of conflict when you reach for a caller. And that is not something I want to create. So by having the leash, I can, I can be six feet away from him and change his direction or change his. Yeah, it's brilliant. So yeah. easy. It's such a simple tool. Well, it's so many applications. Well, so another place that that just reminded me, because one of the other places I'm, I see conflict a lot with people is couches and furniture. Yes. And they allow their dogs on the couches and furniture. And I'm not, I don't care. I don't do it because I like my couches and furniture, but it's not about your dog doesn't become alpha, but <laughs> they can start to 
get shitty about leaving. And if your way of getting your dog off the couch is to use physical pressure and or pull the dog off, you're using force. I mean, I'm putting the air quotes. You're not, you know, you're not right, right. the Hulk, but you're using force and force creates conflict. And if you've got a dog who's a little bit of a shit or you're a little soft or your dog is a little bit of shit and you're soft, <laughs> that's when you start getting dog bites. Right. And you get the little land shark on the couch, like, you know, and you're like, dude, you're a poodle. But something magical happens when you put a six foot lead on that dog. Yeah. Now you can use the force that you wanted to use before, get the dog off the couch without anybody getting bitten, and the dog does not learn that they can escalate the situation and win. Because you're right, if I reach for a dog on the couch and the dog bites me, he might win that. He's never going to win again. Yeah. <laughs> After that, we're going to have a really uncomfortable conversation. But that nanosecond, I might pull my hand back because I do like my hand. I'm, I'm attached to it in more, <laughs> more ways than one. Um, but by God, that dog will never be off a leash as long as he has access to the couch again. And honestly, in my position, he would not be, have access to the couch. And again, that leash solves that. You don't have to spend your life chasing your dog around. You just have the dog at the floor and you step on the leash and now the dog right. cannot access the leash. So Teddy, this little, this little mixed dog who's at my house right now, he's allowed in the furniture at his house. So he's not in trouble for being on my furniture. He's not doing anything quote unquote wrong. So he's not going to get yelled at or told he's wrong or anything like that. I just don't, I can't have him on my furniture. I don't want dogs in my furniture. So most of the time when he climbs up, he has a toy. <laughs> So I can just grab, I can just grab the toy and chuck the toy right. off the couch or the toy still attached to the dog and pull him off the couch that way. But if he come, came on without one, rather than creating conflict with a dog who we already know kind of likes to dig in a little bit, <laughs> I have a leash. I can yeah. simply, because the other thing is a leash can, you can remove the conflict by simply grabbing the end and turning away from the dog and not applying that kind of pressure. Now we're just going for a walk. It's not about get off the couch. It's not pushing with your hand and creating a pressure point that your dog will see as if I pushed you, you'd, you'd smack me. <laughs> that is a rational, yeah. sane thing to do. If I push you, you're, you're going to push back. If you, if you went down the road, pushing everybody who you saw that the cops would be called on you. Yeah, or or, to or break somebody would punch you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas if I say simply to you, "Hey, let's go this direction," you're likely to follow. Right. If we're friends, if we have any sort of relationship at all, or even out of curiosity, what what are you doing? So when you put a six foot leash on the dog and you turn away from the dog instead of creating conflict and creating pressure and pushing at the dog or creating that pressure point of a collar grab, which is already conflicting for a lot of dogs. Right. Now we're just going on an adventure. Yeah. And if you're smart enough to then have your handful of rewards or you walk to the kitchen and you grab your handful of rewards and you reward the dog and then you can take it back into, the, into your living room or wherever you are, step on the leash and then scatter feet on the floor so your dog is on the floor. Now you've started not just managing a situation, but actually training the dog. Which is kind right. of the point, because we don't want our dogs to wear a leash for the rest of their bloody lives. We kind of need to train them what we want yeah. them to do. And that that 
generally just pulling them off over and over again isn't going to work. You do need to reward them for the correct exactly. behavior. Exactly. These are the places I would like you to be. Oh, look, you're there. I will start tossing kibble at you. Uh -oh. It's amazing how powerful that is. It amazing is. Amazing how powerful just chucked kibble can be. Yeah. Yeah, so my dogs learned to go settle on dog beds when they were puppies. And now every once in a while, I'll see them laying on a dog bed nicely, and I'll just go toss a handful of kibble on the dog bed. Cool. Yeah, and so we're like at that the lottery. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's that intermittent reward, so, so it powerful. makes the behavior stronger. And right, I, I can see them. So the the young one who's being tethered right now. Last week, or it was before the tethering, my husband. We heard the garage door open and my husband pull in. He ran to the kitchen, thinking, "I'm going to get to say hi," and then you saw him stop and think, and he ran and laid on the dog bed. Aw. You better believe he got a handful uh, of cookies for that. He got, he got paid well for that. That's, yes, he did. That's fantastic. Well, and the other thing to be aware of is intermittent rewards also happen when we accidentally intermittent punish yes. or intermittent manage or intermittent interrupt. So if your dog gets on the couch and only once in 10,000 attempts, what do they snap at you and they get the, keep the couch. Yes. You've just intermittently rewarded your dog. You've strengthened their behavior. You haven't weakened it. Now your dog is more committed to the behavior. Yes. Same with the trash. If your dog intermittently oh, yeah. gets into the trash, now it's even stronger than if you fed the dog kibble out of the trash can. Yeah, same with the counter surfing. This is why slot machines work. Yes, yes, that is exactly it. So be aware of that too. And that's where this, again, the magic of just tethering your dog comes in is that removes intermittent reward systems because now yes. they're gone. He's, he's never being rewarded. The, the reward is gone because you're there. Right. You're right there. The second those tootsies touch the countertop, you can pull the leash down, step on the leash, throw a handful of kibble, problem solved. There was no reward on the countertop because you were right there. Right. You're not coming around the corner and finding two filet mignons gone. <laughs> and wondering what happened to 40 bucks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so. And, and if we start this with young dogs... Yes. They never even learn that these things are options. Yeah. No, my dogs have no clue that the counters, ex other than other than the dogs who've been trained to jump on a fixed object rather than jumping on me. Because I don't like right. dogs jumping on me, but I, several of them came with a behavior and it was easier to just switch it to a, to a fixed object. So when I'm in the kitchen... Right say dice might jump on the counter, but he's actually not jumping on the counter to jump on the counter. He's jumping on the counter to get petted by me. He's jumping yeah. on uh, essentially on me. He just isn't allowed to put his feet on me. So <laughs> that's his, that's, that's our way of working through that problem without creating conflict where yes. there didn't need to be any. So, and, and that's what it's about for me, at least if we are, if we're wanting to take the journey to go to a more positive method of training, 
which I'm hoping everybody kind of wants to steer themselves in that direction. Um, I'm not saying move away from all forms of pressure or punishment, but I'm saying the further we move away from it, the better we become as trainers and the kind of better human beings we become. Um, that, but that does entail setting up our dogs for success. And yes. it may take a little more work in the front end, but now you're not spending your life booby trapping your house. <laughs> Yeah. To keep your dog. So I have a, so I have a story I'll tell you about booby trapping. So this, and this is nothing to do with dogs. Well, it kind of does. So I lived in a house. Uh, I was moving and I was living in the house with my, uh, a friend of mine at the time in Kentucky and her then boyfriend was in a band and that's a massive air quotes. Cause what they were was a bunch of stoners and, uh, but they had instruments. <laughs> so if you have instruments in your stoners, you're in a band. And they were a bunch of leeches because they're stoners and they're in a band. And so the only thing I care about in, at that time really was because there's never any food in the house because there was this band at the house all the time, stoned and eating everything. So the only thing that mattered to me was my Dr. Pepper. And the Dr. Pepper in the refrigerator had like big notes on it, like I'll kill you, I'll stab your eyes out, I'll break your guitar. You know, and they still ignored me. So I started hiding the Dr. Pepper in my dog food bag because my dog was staying with me. Well, they discovered that and they broke into my dog food bag <laughs> and got my Dr. Pepper. And I went out and I got a, a mouse trap. And I put it on top of the Dr. Pepper cans in the dog food bag. Yeah. And shockingly, they they actually had the temerity to bitch to me. You put a mousetrap in the dog food bag. What the hell were you thinking? I'm like, I was I'm trying to catch the mice. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, some asshole's been drinking my Dr. Pepper. Hmm. <laughs> How did you find out? Well, I'm a musician. You know, yeah. you could have ruined my career. I'm like, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I'm real worried about it. I'm sure you can hold your joint with the other hand. So <laughs> it's just, but... <laughs> there's my story about, but that's the kind of life you have to live. If you've accidentally taught your dog to grant grab rewards is now you're spending your life booby trapping shit in your house. And yeah. I, you know, I, you know, people have scat mats and they don't work. My dog, we have one at the dog spot that somebody gave us for free and it's out back. And my dogs walk all over it. They don't even notice that it has little stabbies. <laughs> so scat mats don't work, um, but they have scat mats. They have the electronic scat mats. They have the shop collars and they hide around the corner and they have the, you know, tie six tin cans to your steak and leave it on the counter to oh, terrify yeah. your dog. Yeah. And, and, and I'm just going to say that if you've won a Ferrari at the casino, it's going to take a lot of falling cans for me to not go back into a casino. I just freaking want a Ferrari. So yeah. good luck. Okay. You know, you're going to have to be an armed robber to keep me away. So that dispels all of these problems. Your house won't, your dog won't eat your drywall. Your dog won't eat your shoes. Your dog won't pee on your floors. Cause guess what? You can see the sniffing and the circling and you can go outside. Yes. Um, your dog won't eat your carpet. Your dog won't eat the garbage. They won't counter surf. You won't come in to see him standing on the dining room table. Um, your dog will have a, give a shit about you. Um, some breeds aren't bred to follow you from room to room. 
uh, neither she nor I, neither Nita nor I own those breeds. <laughs> we own no. the breeds who are like, what are you doing? Why are you in the closet? What could you possibly need? Let me help you. Let me look. Ah, yeah. do you need this? It's like, no, please. I just need a moment's break from psychotic eyeballs. <laughs> um, but there are breeds who are not bred to follow you from room to room. And we still need to be in those dogs' heads if yes. we want any sort of relationship with those dogs. And tethering is... It's as close to a magic bullet as you're going to get. It is. It with the really least is. amount of work. And again, if you're a lazy trainer like I am, I'm all about the least amount of work. <laughs> <laughs> Easy and simple is good. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, um, and if you have a dog who eats your tether, just get one made of chain. Yeah, you know, it's that uh, simple. They're, they're terrible leashes to walk with, but they're great for tethering if your dog is committed to eating the leash. Yeah. And because I, I mean, like I said, this Aussie would nail. She can go through a leash in a half a second, and you're like, whoa, whoa what? Wow, there goes ten bucks, bitch. Yeah, um, yeah, she's fast. <laughs> wow. And it, and the sad thing is, is that much like the stoners who lived at my friend's house, it took me a while to learn this, and I went through multiple leashes. <laughs> I, really, that's just so sad. <laughs> <laughs> That's just sometimes so... <laughs> sometimes we really are stupid humans. It's sad. It's it's a it's a testament of stupidity that I was like, wow, let's try this again. <laughs> let's try <laughs> let's try it again. Maybe she's learned her lesson. She's like, yes, yeah, I have she, learned my lesson. She, she won't do it again. That was just some kind of fluke. That's a freak a freak event. Yeah, no, she's yeah, committed. Yeah, so no. yeah, she has her own little chain <laughs> leash that she has. Wow. And again, such a simple fix. Yes. Why make your life hard? Simple. Why yell at your dog? Why try to babysit your dog? Why buy a $600 e-collar and hide around the backside of a tree? <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Why make your life so hard? It's just, there's no need to make your life that hard. It's, it, there are so many easy fixes and, and fixes that the dog can learn on her own. She doesn't like the taste of chain in her mouth. And so she doesn't bother. She just figures it out, hears it sound and goes, yeah, okay. apparently I'm stuck okay. in this tree. I'll just deal with it. And I'm like, good. You're dealing with shit, something important for us all to learn. So any mm -hmm. last thoughts before we head to the hills? I don't think so. I think we've covered this topic really well. I think we have. And I don't think we've gone in circles, which is good because I'm notorious for going in circles. So no, we've done good. We covered so many aspects of it. Well, I think it's um, powerful and I think that it's underutilized. Well, it's yeah. not under recommended. Almost every trainer recommends it. It's just not done. So um, I know I that's know. the difference because people see it as a pain in the ass. And I can see that. I, uh, but we also own crates. So, you, you know, you can also pop your dog in a crate <laughs> for an hour or two and take a break. I mean, all my yeah. dogs are oh, currently parked in various locations. So. Yeah. And it's not cheating. So, well, thank you, Nita. It's, I appreciate it's, it's, it. It's, it's being smart. It's counteracting the stupid human side of us with the smart, let's do things a logical way. What? Smart, what? You know, Why? Humans. Silly. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so, well, thank you very okay. much for this topic. I think it was fantastic. And I, I hope I everybody got something out of it. And um, ho well, hopefully we'll get you back on sooner rather than later. Uh, cause now it's cold there and you can't spend as much time outside. So. <laughs> you're, true. You're, tra you're trapped Very outside. True. 
So I want to thank Nita again for coming. Um, and I want to say, if you like this podcast, please share it with your friends, uh, review it somehow on iTunes. I have no idea how, or what else? Oh, subscribe. Yes. Subscribe. And, um, yeah, I'll see y'all next week. Thank you very much. Thank you, Nita. Have a good one. Thank you, Leanne. Bye. Bye.